your assets on your sheet are like good looks, fine sense of humor, decent fashion sense, and one broken down forklift. <laughs> exactly. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy, happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA podcast. We are back, as is per the usual. The boss man joins us this week. Good, sir. You've been unplugging. What's going on over there? Been unplugged, man. Went out to the Sierra National Forest for five days, no internet. Just had to stare at the landscape, look at the stars. What's that like? What do you do? Let me just say, if you stick around to the end of this episode, we got some pretty amazing listener questions, some call-ins, people calling tropicalmba.com slash voicemail. In particular, we're going to talk about the current state of affiliate marketing. How do you get others to promote the heck out of your products? How do you create a scaled sales team that's out there selling your stuff for you while you're in Sierra National Forest? Boss man, here's a couple of things about smartphones. Everybody is complaining about, you know, everybody's looking at their smartphone all the time. Uh, I'm always looking at Twitter. I can't do any real work. You know, life sucks now. We used to look at the stars. And I think to myself, is looking at the stars really that great? I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from the horse's mouth. Did your life improve by unplugging from the internet? Because I think this might just be a hipster thing that we all want to unplug all of a sudden. Do you remember how boring life was in the 80s? Used to play with Legos. And now we got smartphones. And I think think about it this way. If I'm sitting at dinner with somebody and they're looking at their smartphone, I take that as a personal challenge. That smartphone is more interesting than me. (laughs) I think that's true. I think that's true. I try not to do that, by the way. That's rude. rude. I don't do rude things. That's wrong. You know, being outside, I think for a couple of days, yeah, it was it was great, man. I, of course, I did the thought experiment. You know, you're like driving by these log cabins. Like, what would it be to live out here and work out yeah. here? I don't think that's for me. That's a man experiment. All of us, we want to farm. Yeah, it's a fun thought experiment, but <laughs> it's not for me. If, if I make it to old age, then maybe that's the place for me at, at that time. But hey, you know, the biggest thing that I noticed or bad, but by the end of the trip, my vision had dramatically improved. Really? Yeah. When I first got there, like I, I couldn't see very far. And by the end of the trip, I could see really far. And I, I've got to attribute that to looking at the screen. I think that's your survival instinct popping up, boss man. You're looking for bears. It might be. Looking for game in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking for a warm shower. That's all I was looking for at the end of the trip. I heard you wrote in here that I bought a new car. What? <laughs> <laughs> is that news anymore? I mean, what's oh no? About? I mean, that's did a, you buy a camper van or what? Every couple months, man, we got to get ourselves a new entrepreneur mobile. Nothing wrong with the old entrepreneur mobile, but our <laughs> needs have changed. Well, we're going to Austin. Actually, I think there's a there's what like three or four spots left for that for the for the Austin meetup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be fifty entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely, man. So going to Austin, I had to get a truck, man. You can't live in Austin without a truck. <laughs> what do you get? Come on, man. There's only one kind of truck to get. Uh, F-150. No, 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 no. Silverado. Wait, you got a Silverado? I thought you were going to say Toyota. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other truck to have for sure. I'm, I'm not a Ford truck guy. I'm a Mustang guy for sure, and I'm not a Chevy car guy, but I'm definitely a Chevy truck guy. The only problem with the Chevy trucks is distributors on the backside, and it's hard to get to. Other than that, great trucks. 
Hey, boss, and we got so many great voicemails in the queue. You can give us a voicemail at tropicalmba.com slash voicemail. Matt D called in this week and asked us a question about last week's show with Eric Paquette. Last week's show got so much traction. I can't tell you how many emails I got thanking us, reaching directly out to Eric, uh, interested in more things. In the comments section at slash mileage, tropicalmba.com slash mileage, tons of interesting discussions, people adding tips, people asking Eric and AJ questions, so that's definitely worth checking out. Anyway, let's get to Matt D's question. Hey, Dan and Ian. My name is Matt Donahue. You guys rock. Got best podcast on business out there, hands down. Quick question for you. I was just finished listening to your episode with Eric on traveling with Miles, and one of his processes in there was sort of dumping off existing cards and reapplying for new ones to get those bonus points. And my question is whether you know or whether he knows what the impact of that is on your credit score, considering the old hat wisdom that I was taught regarding credit is that once you open a card, you basically never want to close it. And then a follow-up on that, too, is that nobody talks all that much about establishing business credit aside from their own personal credit. I wondered if you had any thoughts on that as well and tips for all of us. So keep rocking. You guys are the best. Shaba. Hey, Matt. It's Eric from Abroaders. Thanks for the great question. The short answer is that closing existing accounts is going to hurt your credit score. It reduces your total available credit, and it also reduces your average age of your existing accounts. So you want to avoid closing your account if at all possible. Most people want to close an account because of the annual fee. And so when that's going to be due, you should contact your bank and let them know that you plan to close the card because of the annual fee. They'll often transfer you to a special retention department whose job is to make sure that you stay on board since they paid a lot of money with the sign-up bonus to acquire you as a customer. So often they'll offer to either waive the annual fee or give you some extra bonus points. In my experience, folks usually get an offer that's worth keeping the card open about 60% of the time. In the event that the bank's not willing to waive your annual fee or give you bonus miles to keep the card open, there's a couple of things that you can do to mitigate the damage to your credit score when you have to close the account. The first thing that you should do is try and transfer your credit limit to another account that's open with that bank. So if I have two different cards with Chase and I know I want to close one to avoid the annual fee, I can ask them if they'll move most or all of that credit limit to a different account before I close the card. By doing this, I prevent closing the account from hurting my overall credit limit, which hurts my score. Another great alternative to closing a card is to ask your bank to convert your account to a card without an annual fee. Once converted, that no annual fee card can be kept open indefinitely and help to anchor your average account age, which also helps your credit score. I'll let Ian and Dan field the question about developing business credit. If you have any more questions for us about travel hacking or your credit, Please get in touch at supportedabroaders.com or call the 800 number on our website. Thanks. Have a great day. Loving all the proactive help that Eric's giving the listeners, helping people out for free and everything. That's really cool, and it's the way to do it, Eric. Boss man, I'm curious as to your opinion about business credit. I know we've been talking a lot about it. I know I owe you some forms. You're trying to get credit for our business right now. Why are you doing that? We're trying to get a line of credit, and the reason why we need a line of credit, Dan, is for our inventory. So you and I, if you don't know, we have a lot of money wrapped up in inventory. <laughs> I think that we can make that money perform better out of our business in some other activities than we can in our inventory these days, especially the rates of the line of credit. I think the velocity. 
the velocity is the issue, right? Yeah, velocity. So, you know, line of credit, I don't know, it's probably six or 7%, something like that. And so, the, you know, there's a real cost in having your money wrapped up in that. And it's constantly wrapped up in that, right? The only time that you're going to get that money out is if you sell the business or you sell all your inventory. Which isn't going to happen if your business continues to grow. Right, exactly. And ours is demanding more and more money. So, you know, that's one instance of where I think working off credit is not a bad idea. For us, in terms of the line of credit, it's directly related to our personal assets. That's the crazy soft spot. I mean, basically, this guy's asking for naked photos of us. I mean, they want to know everything, everything in order to get a line of business credit. So like we were talking, like we had some buddies back in 2007, banks were just chucking money at them because they said the word business. And I have somewhere within, you know, the same sentence. But nowadays it's like, hey, I want to see everything, not just your FICO score. And I've gone through this process a couple of times, Dan. It's interesting because you and I don't have a lot of assets. Most of our wealth is wrapped up in our businesses and in cash. And these bankers hate that. What they want to do is they want to hold you to the fire. And hopefully, you know, you'll bring to the fire your house. So it's like, if you default on this loan, we hope you don't. But if you do, we're going to take your house from you. And that doesn't work for us because we don't have real estate. They haven't been super friendly to us because we don't have a bunch of assets. Your assets on your sheet are like good looks, fine sense of humor, decent fashion sense, and one broken down forklift. (laughs) Exactly. You know, another way that a lot of business owners get credit is by credit cards. You know, it's really easy for us to get a high balance. I mean, these credit card companies, unlike some of the banks, they can fund maybe a little bit of ishy customers like ourselves. So we've been using credit cards to buy a lot of things in our business, and that has the extra benefit of racking up these awards points. And that's why we got to know Eric Paquette. So I think that that's not a bad way to roll as well. I mean, a lot of suppliers will accept credit cards, boss man. Yeah, it's not a bad way at all. I mean, we use American Express. They're no limit cards. So you can run them up to $500,000 a month if you like. You just have to pay them off the next month. So it's not like an actual credit card where you can carry a balance. You actually have to pay it off. So it's like a charge card, I guess, maybe there's a difference. I'm, I'm not sure. So if you have any other way that you finance your business, we'd be curious to hear that. The comments on this one are at Tropical MBA dot com slash affiliates so boss man without further ado we got a couple great listener questions this week let's jump right into them hey what's up ian and dan this is chris from photoclasses.com long time listener been listening to the Lifestyle Business Podcast and the Tropical MBA for a couple of years now. Just want to say a big thanks for everything you guys have done for me and my business. It's had a huge impact, so thank you so much. Got a question today for you about affiliate marketing. At photoclasses.com, that's F-O-T-O classes.com. We've got a great offer. It converts well. It's, the business is growing all the time. We've got a user base of about 16,000 people right now, so we're doing quite well. The issue I'm running into is we're trying to expand into the affiliate channel, and I'm having a hard time recruiting affiliates to promote the offer, and I just want to get your perspective of why that may be and see if you guys have any tips on how to recruit good affiliates. So I just kind of wanted to get your perspective. Thanks so much, guys. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Well, Chris, thanks for calling. I'd like to say, first off, congratulations on the great success with photoclasses.com. I spent a bunch of time on your site this morning. 
going through things. I don't know if this advice is going to you know, help you or not, but we are going to share our opinions and hopefully you can find some value in it. I'd love to know how things go for you. Let's break down the whole affiliate game and basically say there's two different kinds of affiliate relationships and I'll call them distribution affiliates versus relationship affiliates. A distribution affiliate would be when you equip your customers or a group of publishers with a small token or an ad to put on their site. Say WP Curve does this, Dan Norris's business, or Bluehost famously does this, where if you host your site on Bluehost, you can put a little link at the bottom of your site saying, this site is hosted by Bluehost. You know, you click on this link if you're curious about that and boom, you're getting a commission if they sign up. The other way, Dan, is you've got a sidebar on the right-hand side of your site, and there's all these 100 by 100 pixel boxes, and in there is your Bluehost, and you click on it, and bada-boom. So potentially, Chris could be creating those boxes to put those on his customers' sites. I really think that in terms of distribution, these affiliates, like, you know, you really gotta go big to make it work you know i mean you might look at clickbank and see like what the most popular photography product is or whatever and try to outperform them or you might have some kind of massive scale like a bluehost where you have tons of users out there it doesn't seem to me like your customers are publishers right so that's why it works so well for hosting companies because their customers are publishers you know one of the things i thought about when i heard chris's question ian is affiliate relationships really work when you go small and Clever. Like, hey, here's a little token that all of my users can put on their site and that's an instant affiliate relationship. Or when people go big. And that's like, if Chris wants a big publisher, like say one of his customers happens to be a famous photographer, if he wants that person to put a little block on the side of his site, that's essentially what I would call a relationship-oriented affiliate. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, how the changing nature of these relationships are happening and how they actually get done in real life. Ian, me and you are focused on building businesses that put us in touch with quality networks, quality customers, and that ultimately boils down to relationships. So boss man, in terms of a relationship affiliate, let's think about that little affiliate token you were talking about. I think what's changing is that what used to be an affiliate token is now a content token. So publishers in a lot of ways are more interested in great content than they are in making 30 bucks off of when people click through to your product, right? Right. Like a couple of years ago, it was a guest post. Yes. And now it's probably a guest interview on a podcast. I'll tell you this. I know a lot of really popular bloggers that they put an affiliate link on their site and they don't make that much money. So it's not like a big game changer for people. And that's why it's hard to find quality affiliate relationships because it just doesn't move the needle for a lot of publishers. One way you can move the needle is by providing people with a content token. So Chris Ducker is a great example of a publisher who has a product with an affiliate program, Virtual Staff Finder, but that's not really what gets people to promote his product. What gets people to promote his product is Chris gives people outsourcing content. That's what people want to put on their blog, their podcast, on their YouTube channel. So Chris has created distilled ideas tips, strategies that publishers want to give to their audience. That's right. When you hear Chris Ducker on someone's podcast, Dan, he is at work. <laughs> the man is working. So I think in order to do this, one of the things that Chris has done well, you know, you look at one of his most popular posts, 101 Ways to Utilize Your VA. Chris is writing the religion. We'll call this. So this is the first step, Chris. I think you got to write the religion. you got to give potential content publishers a reason to tap into your narrative, a reason to associate with your brand. Big affiliates 
want something to identify with and to buy into. So you gotta do this work beforehand. So I can give you a specific example. Your nighttime photography course has a great introduction video that makes me wanna buy that thing. But when I go to your about page or when I go to your whole kit and caboodle bundle, which is the thousand dollar product, which is the one that I would be pushing, they need to have similar videos. They need to have a reason why you're different, a reason why I'm paying attention to this because the top affiliates, they're gonna care about that kind of stuff. All of our future advice isn't gonna work unless we lock down the religion at the beginning. Why are your photo classes unique? Why do people wanna talk about them? Why why are your students better off for having taken your courses? All right, so now the next thing, and I'm gonna reveal the secret to affiliate marketing. Are you ready, Bossman? Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Here it is, it's the weirdest thing. When I was listening to Chris's question, first off, I was like 16,000 users, that's incredible. I never had 16,000 of anything, I'm impressed. <laughs> Number two, the first thing I thought, it was like, go to conferences. Which is crazy because when you think about affiliate marketing, you think, oh, I'm gonna have this like army of like blogspot bloggers or, you know, click bankers out there. Like, when's the last time you met a guy making money off a of ClickBank? This, I don't know who are these people. I don't know where they are. It's just not our realm. But I do see people making a lot, a lot, hundreds of thousands. We're talking six, seven figures. I'm seeing big affiliate relationships. And there's one thing that they all have in common they have met each other. So that's the first thing that I thought, because you have to trust people, the people with the kind of audiences, they're cultivating audience, they're gonna put you in front of their audience, they need to know and trust you, and the easiest way to do that is to get in front of them at a conference. And that's why we, I said, you know, write your religion before you go there. Because if right now, you know, you're making money off of SEO conversions or people coming through a PPC funnel, that's not the same thing as creating something, a narrative to buy into, a religion to believe in, or content tokens, something that I might want to bring onto my podcast. Because, you know, if you create that, the opportunity for you to go out there and put your content on other people's site is limitless because everybody is interested in photography. Entrepreneurs are interested in photography. How can I get cheaper product photos? How can I take better blog photos, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's pretty limitless at that point, but there's no real opportunity for that because you don't have a clear perspective or religion in the business. That's right, Dan. And I think one of the things you just pointed out there too is the opportunity for expansion and product and building new product, right? So it's like, hey, you come to me, you've got this photo product, like I want to do product photos, like you said. And so I'm willing to push a product photo class, but I can't push a sunset photo class because that's not the kind of audience that I have. And so, you know, talking to people, this kind of information is going to come out. The ClickBank guys, they're not going to give you that kind of information. They're just going to say, how many of these things can we kind of pump and dump out, right? If all you're looking for is, is sales, I think in the short term, then maybe go to ClickBank. If what you're looking for is long-term, long-lasting relationships, something that's going to make your business grow and be on the steady uprise for the next several years yeah i think you got to get people involved to do that one final thing about like this relationship oriented affiliate marketing you know we're not the best example of this ian but you can see it with like other podcasts like smart passive income and even chris ducker's podcast or uh, let's talk about bulletproof executive perhaps but you can look at like the people who've come on to our show look at like a travis jameson you know supremacy seo as far as i know came out of an episode we pulled together you look at what eric paquette did last week i mean it wasn't like eric paquette sent me a couple emails i've been talking to this guy for like a year i met him twice he did a bunch of work for me 
He pitched me on the episode a bunch of times. I told him I was interested. We kept going back and forth. I keep traveling. I want to stress like, you know, how important doing the work is and not necessarily having a guaranteed outcome. My point is that these big needle turning relationship things, they take a long time, right? <laughs> Yeah, I want to jump in on this, Dan. I mean, I think you can see from our podcast, like we don't have a lot of people that we push, you know, we don't have a lot of products that we push. Part of that is we don't use a lot of products. And the second part of that is, yeah, we have to know these people. I feel like I have to know these people and I have to know the kind of work that these people do, like you said, for like several years for me to be able to endorse that kind of product, right? Any publisher that's worth a grain of salt puts their audience first, not the profit first. That's right. So that's right. if you come to me, I get these emails all the time and you know, hey, Holla to the hustle. I'm not hating on you right now. I'm just mentioning it. I'm saying if you write to me and within the first three paragraphs, it's like, this is how much money you can make. I don't care because as a podcaster, I'm not here to make money primarily. I'm here to serve the audience because that's what good publishers do. You serve the audience. We've got a biz ops guy. His name's boss, man. He's on the back end worrying about the money. He's pushing the paper, wearing the skinny glasses. That's right. And if you piss off your customer, if you piss off your audience and you sell them something that wasn't good or that's not right, you know, you're not gonna have that audience for very long. So you got to be very careful about the things that you introduce to your audience, I think, Dan. I also have an essay I wrote about this a while back, and I'm going to link to it at this episode, tropicalmba.com slash affiliate. You can read it. It's called affiliate commissions are like exclamation points. And you might find it interesting if you're in the info product game. All right, Ian, we've got another call from Ian at freedompodcasting.com. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Dan and Ian, this is Ian from Freedom Podcasting. I am curious about what you guys have to say about hiring your first employee. The type of person that I'd be looking for would be somebody who's good at podcasting, somebody audio engineer, Photoshop, copywriting, marketing, SEO. It, I, I need like somebody who's like the whole gamut of everything. And it, it's really hard for me. And I can sit down with the person and really break it down with them. But at the same time, I'm really confused as to how do I organize a situation where they are set up to win and we can... And, and bring them in as far as like a team member for me. And, you know, I hope to see them like in 60 years from now when we're both 80 years old, giving ourselves huge rewards, the long-term business value of bringing on the optimal person. When you're in a startup phase, how do you figure out where that is? I'm a big fan. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Ian, I got to say, I love your enthusiasm and I share it. I share your optimism about the power of team and culture and all these things. But I want to guide us in the right direction here and understand where that attitude that you have comes from. Because sometimes we visualize it incorrectly. We think like it's really all about culture and being dynamic and being so autonomous and all these things. And sometimes we can misread where that comes from in ourselves. I'd like you to visualize this. Imagine that enthusiasm about values and autonomy and team that you have, that's like the steam at the top. That's what bubbles off of this giant body of work, which is this great work that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that over the course of many years has given you confidence, has given you positive affirmation in your skill set from your clients is giving you cash flow. And then when you get to the mic and think about hiring people, you think about sharing all the confidence and passion that that's given you, but that's really the end result. That's not the core of it. The core is the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that create value for you and your clients. That's the process. And so what I often see happens is 
people want to share the result with their team members. Hey, you know, it's all beanbags and brainstorming. Let's call it the two Bs. It's beanbags and brainstorming. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but where that comes from, boss man, we know this, is that confidence in doing the work. And what happens when you don't train? So first tip, when you do hire this person, be with them in person for a few weeks at the beginning. That's important. Be with them and train them on the granular day-to-day -day of what they're going to be doing because it's mastering that skill set that's going to give them the confidence. When people don't know precisely what it is that they're supposed to do, they can't be autonomous. They don't know how to perform their craft and they start to feel confused. It's that confusion that will prevent them from getting to that sort of nirvana state that we all want, which is teamwork and beanbags and brainstorming and all that good stuff. So I would ask you this, Ian, instead of thinking about optimal values when you're hiring someone, consider also optimal processes. So what exactly are you hiring for? You know, you don't want, Chris Ducker even calls it like the Superman VA or the Superwoman VA. It's like this person who's just amazing. Well, sorry, Ian, but you're the guy who's amazing. And that's the way it's going to be for a while because it's your business. So what do you say? Here are the four things that I want you to do. Podcast editing, first wave customer support, content posting, and social media marketing. That's right. You're amazing, Ian. The guy sitting across from you in the desk, he's the guy that might not get paid two weeks from now if you run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably still be there. When we hire, I think it is fun to think about the different cultures and things that we can build in our businesses. But it's a lot like a brand, right? You don't start with a brand and a logo. You start with a product. And that product turns into a brand. And I think the culture is a lot in the same. And, you know, the culture will be dictated by the people that join your company as well. It's not just you. So think about that. You know, think about building the product first and then having the culture and the brand follow. Absolutely, boss, man. So I would say this. Like, use the same ratio if it's like your body of work is like Ian's such a great podcast editor. That's the 85%. And then the 15% is the value that comes from that. You know, I enable my clients or artists and I enable that for them. And like, that's the kind of talk about it, right? Do the same thing with your new employees. I don't think you should hire somebody unless you have 85% of their week mapped out. I'm serious. 85%. Ian, you don't want to hire somebody and be like, be amazing. Go do it. It never works out, especially dangerous with, with the first hire. Maybe you reach some scale and then you want to get like a biz ops person or something like that. Maybe that kind of position comes up. I've actually not seen that be so successful either. But yeah, like you said, everything needs to be defined for the most part, 85%. And then, you know, they can fill in, add their personality and be amazing that other 15%. Hopefully they will start to create a lot more value than you brought them in for. But that's not always a guarantee. You know, that's the other thing, right? Is like we always hope to bring in these A-listers. That doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes you got to hire several people for that to happen. So you bring in what you think is an A-lister. They do the job. You know, they might turn out to be a B or a C. Here's the thing about documentation too. A-listers, they always love the work. They always love the craft. So you, you, you tend to think, if you don't get into the muck on it, that the A-listers are the people who are constantly beanbagging and brainstorming. But that's not true. The A-listers are the people who love looking at the process. All of our best team members, they dig into the process. They see it as a system. They like to participate with it and eventually get somebody else doing it. That's an A player. You know something about our office, Dan, in San Diego? I know nothing about our office in San Diego, thank I God. I know. I'll tell you this. No beanbags. <laughs> That's because we don't want people that are there for the beanbags and the free espresso. We want people that are there for the process. And that process is making a profitable business. Also tell you this. So Ian, here's the thing. Rule of thumb. Don't hire somebody until you can write out 85% of their week. And when you do hire them, 
Boom. Make sure you're paying them less than half of what you're making off of said processes. End of story. See how it works. Good luck. All right, let's get moving on to rap and reviews. Boss Man this week, since you were on vacation, I will take the DJ honors. This song has some swear words, but I think we've got an advanced audience. So if you've got kids in the car, maybe you don't rock out with us right now. This is Ghostface Killer, Iron Man, one of my favorite rap tracks of all time. Changed My Life Forever by Jacob in the Netherlands. I was in a car crash. Car crash. This is really. I was in a car crash while listening to this podcast, and I kept it playing after the rear end of my car had been crushed. Wow. I got off with just a couple of scratches because I was still standing, and the insurance paid out. Okay. <laughs> but instead of buying a new car the for the daily commute, I quit my job and bought a ticket to Bali. Thank you, Damien. That's amazing. You know, is that insurance fraud? Yeah. I was just about to say, I think that's insurance fraud, Jacob, but we'll roll with that. Call it to the Hustle Five Stars Favorite Podcast from the United States. I love these guys. Been listening to almost 100 episodes biking to and from my corporate job. These guys know what they are talking about and keep me reminded why I studied entrepreneurship. It's like the best refresher course ever. Honorary PhD to Dan and Ian. We'll take it. I finally quit my job and we'll meeting up with my co-founder, Christopher, in Bali in mid-September. Time to get real. Tom. These guys are professionals from Dave at Self-Made Businessman. For some people, podcasting is a hobby. For these guys, it's a profession. They're great at what they do, and it's entertaining (laughs) as hell. Thanks, Dave. Five stars, my favorite podcast from Adrine, I think, from Austria. I've been listening to this podcast for almost five years, Woo! and I love it. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Finally, from Mache, have... (laughs) Warning. Will alter the trajectory of your life. I like anything that's a warning symbol. I like. <laughs> have only the best things to say. I've been listening to this podcast for three to four years now. God, I've been doing it that long. The month I quit my job two years ago and joined the DC, have been immersed myself in the community and Dan and have created. Little did I know, listening to this podcast would inspire me to get out of my comfort zone and get serious about bootstrapping my business. In addition. It would help me find some friends all over the world who actually get what I do. I love that, Mache. People just don't get what I do. You get what I do, Mache. Thank you. I get what Mache does because we keep running into each other all the time, man. I appreciate all of your support, Mache. Mache helps us as a DC curator, comes to a lot of the events. He's an awesome freaking dude. Hey, boss man, by the way, I wrote a history of the podcast recently. It's a bit of a beast, but if you're in for a long read, if you don't go to our blog very often, but you want to hear the backstory of why all this started, I sat down and wrote it out. It's tropicalmba.com slash imperative. And this episode's show notes, along with all the links to everything we talked about, is at tropicalmba.com slash affiliate. As is per the usual, we love to hear your thoughts. Boss man, what do you think? We'll be back next Thursday morning. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that was a great post, by the way. I really enjoyed reading that. All right, boss man, always a pleasure. We will be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.